the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 280. I'm your host, Paul Spain. This week, we've actually got uh, two episodes for you. So first up, um, I chat with Miriam Joie. She is previously a mobile editor uh, for Engadget, and recently she has worked as chief evangelist at Pebble, makers of Pebble Watch. And then following that, um, she's become an advisor uh, to founders and startups on their media and product strategy. So, yeah, she's um, involved in quite a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, so let's jump straight in with that episode. So right now we're with uh, Miriam Joie. Miriam, where are you at the moment? I'm in San Francisco at my place here. Um, I also have a place in Portland, Oregon, so I spend my time between the two cities. Cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Now, you've just uh, got back from China, and you've been uh, you've been looking at some new technology announcements over there, so keen to chat to you about that. And also the, uh, the HTC 10, which uh, just got announced a couple of weeks ago, but I know you got it uh, a little bit earlier under embargo. So I, I'd be keen to uh, start by just having a, a little bit of a chat uh, around HTC's uh, newest handset and, um, and, and what you think and uh, what HTC's um, you know, future looks like from your perspective. Um, I'm very happy with the uh, HTC 10. You know, I, I've been a long time HTC fan, so it's been a bit of a, a painful experience the last couple of years. I think the M7 was the last HTC phone that I really enjoyed, um, that I felt really hit the mark in every way. Um, I know some people didn't find the camera good enough primarily because there weren't enough pixels, but I tend to frame my shots very carefully, so very rare that I have to zoom in. And uh, it worked out very well for me. The combination of OIS large pixels at the time was was a very unique combo. And then they dropped all that for the HTC One M8. Um, the OIS in particular, they they kept the large pixels and the low res, but then they they dropped the biggest adventure was the OIS, and they replaced it with that secondary camera for some depth information, so you could do some some fake focusing after the fact. It just was really gimmicky, you know. And it just didn't really feel like, other than the Snapdragon 800 series that they put on there, that was desperately needed because the M7 has a, had a Snapdragon 600, wasn't, which wasn't very efficient. Um, the, the M8 was really uh, a bit disappointing to me. And then last year's M9, I had high hopes that they would fix the issues, which has reintroduced OIS and really focus on the imaging experience. I really liked the phone last year in every way, particularly the industrial design. And, uh, but I did not like the camera at all. And it, and you know, everybody seems to agree that the camera was underperforming. Sure, sure. Um, how, how important to you is, is OIS optical image stabilization in terms of getting, getting good results? I think it's critical. I think it's an absolute must have for any kind of mid to high end phone today. Um, it, you know, it is not, I think it's not necessarily useful in full auto mode if you're shooting. Um, you know, in daylight and stuff like that. But if, as soon as you get in low light and you have subjects that aren't moving like landscapes and stuff, it immediately becomes extremely helpful in auto mode. But where it's really nice, and, and I don't know if your, your listeners know this, but I'm quite a bit of a camera buff, especially mobile camera. So mobile photography, using phones for photography. Um, for those of us who like to experiment and really like to have manual controls on our cameras, we want to be able to do long exposures that are sometimes handheld. 
uh, and OIS really comes to play there. So it's really critical if you want to be creative to have OIS, but it also helps in full auto mode and low light for s- still scenes. Uh, and that's why, you know, uh, Apple has it on the 6 Plus, for example, right? I mean, even Apple has admitted finally uh, 6 Plus and 6S Plus that OIS is a necessary thing. Surprisingly, they didn't put it on the 6 and 6S, which I think is a, is a strategic mistake, but hey, uh, what do I know? I'm not Apple, right? Well, I guess it's uh, it allows them to differentiate the two products a little bit from their perspective. I suppose, but I think to me, they should be identical devices to different sizes because they almost are, right? And and people should pick the size for what's comfortable, right? Not for the spec sheet. And that's kind of the disappointing part to me because the only difference basically between them is the camera lacking OIS. It's one of the few differences between them. Battery size, of course, display resolution, but those are not immediately noticeable, I think. Um, battery life is only becoming critical for people like us who are hardcore users. Uh, I think um, the, the the plus phones from Apple are definitely better in battery life. So, Yep, yep. So I think, you know, back to the M9, I, I think the lack of OIS and also the large sensor, uh, the, the large array, so 20 megapixels or 21 or whatever it was, meaning very small pixels introduced a lot of noise and a lot of issues. And so to me, the uh, HTC 10 is a return to form for HTC. It's really an all-rounded quality product. It maintains HTC strength, which uh, are design and extremely high quality manufacturing and materials. Um, and it, you know, picks all the, the top specs of any modern flagship you'd want to be competitive with, you know, the Galaxy S7 and the G5. And then it brought in this camera, which at least on paper is superlative, right? It is large pixels like the original ultra pixels. Um, which is great for picking up more light, isn't it? Right. And, and so it's, it's the same size pixels as on the Nexus, 1.55 micron. Not as big as the 2 micron pixels on the M7. Uh, but, you know, mic- 2 micron pixels from back then are probably worse than 1.55 microns today because the, you know, the thin film um, sensor technology has improved so drastically since then. Um, and then on top of that, it adds... Another thing that has become de rigueur on modern smartphones, which Apple is missing out on in a big way, which is fast lenses. So Samsung was the first one to do this with Galaxy S6 last year by dropping below the magical sweet spot of F over 2.0 by giving us F over 1.9. And then uh, LG went down to F over 1.8. And this year, the Galaxy S7 is F over 1.7. And the HTC 10 is f of 1.8, so it's extremely competitive there. Uh, very fast lens, gives you really great bokeh and shallow depth of field when you do autofocusing, and it's really fun for sh- for macro shots and close-ups. Even portraits look really great um, because of that, and it gathers more light. Again, with big sense, uh, with big pixels combining those two, you get quite a bit of uh, of low light uh, performance. And then, of course, they they brought OIS back, and they brought it back even on the front-facing camera, which also has large pixels. It doesn't have the same resolution. It also has a very fast f over 1.8 lens. So all around, in terms of specs on paper, the HTC 10 cameras are top-notch. Now, you know, maybe we can talk about this more, after, you know, in, in a minute, but I think... 
it's missing the mark a little bit in terms of software implementation of what the camera can do. It and seems to be reasonably I, common, doesn't it? That uh, yeah. you know the specs look really good, and then things don't don't quite match up. I mean, well, we've, we've seen that with a you know number of devices over but the not years. Flagships recently, right? The last flagship that kind of had the right specs but missed the mark in terms of imaging was the OnePlus Two. Mm. So, so you know, the GS7 nails it, the GS6 did too, oh, the yes. Note 5 yeah. did, the G5 does, the G4 does. So, I mean, the G4 is still super competitive. It's the same main camera as the G5. The G5 just adds an extra wide-angle camera. Yeah, so, LG have been doing pretty good there. I mean, they? I actually have been taking these three phones with me to China and compared them extensively. And I can tell you that, in my opinion, in terms of... You, they're all very good, but my favorite, you know, I was kind of tempted to say the Galaxy S7 would be my favorite based on the, the specs alone, the, the F of 1.7, the fact that they have dual pixels. So one pixel is dedicated to autofocus and one pixel to gathering light. And so you can really see that autofocus is instantaneous on the Galaxy S7. It's the first smartphone that virtually has zero focus lag, which is a first. Nobody's ever achieved that. Um, so... To me, I was expecting the Galaxy S7 to be the winner, but it turns out that I do a lot of manual photography, and in manual mode, it just doesn't do so great. It it has some issues, and same with the, the HTC 10. And the one that's consistently really great in manual mode, and it was my favorite last year, was the G4, and it's the G5 for me this year. And I really didn't think it was going to come out that way, because on paper, the G5 isn't really adding much uh, to the to you know to the story that the G4 didn't bring already, so um, you know we're talking about phones that all reside in the ninety five to one hundred percentile in terms of quality here, right? Like we're we're I'm I'm splitting hairs here. They're yeah, all really fantastic. They are. It's true. I mean, but, all but of those the HTC Ten does have some issues, and I can elaborate if you'd like, but. The Galaxy S7 has the fewest issues overall. It's also the best in full auto mode. The Gal- the G5 to me is my favorite in full manual mode, and like the G4 last year. And more importantly, that wide angle lens is just fabulous. It just it is brings so much fun to the equation, and you can gather, take shots that you could never do before. And that alone is just really fun. Um, but back to the 10, I think. The 10 is a really, it's the first time again that HTC, as I mentioned earlier, has really hit it, uh, you know, in every category. Everything about the 10 is really solid. And the camera could use some, some polish and software. And the display, in my opinion, could be a little better. The display is, you know, not as good as the competition, perhaps. But that's me really being picky. And it's really hard. You know, Samsung's uh, Quad HD Super AMOLED displays are so much better than anything else right now that it's just really hard to compete with that. Yeah, as soon as you yeah. go IPS, you know, even the LG G5, which is a better display than the G4, feels so, you know, feels so mad in comparison when you put them side by side. And I'm not just talking about color pop, which AMOLED is really famous for, but I'm talking about just overall quality of the display right yeah, yeah oh well that's great well it's good good to get that uh because we haven't actually been uh, been sent any units of the htc 10 to play with here in new zealand yet so uh nice to get a good uh, good first 
first-hand report, uh, and we'll, we'll look forward to actually, uh, you know, hopefully seeing it uh, seeing it here uh, soon. So now the other things that I wanted to chat to you on really relate to your time uh, in China. So maybe you could tell us we we've been in China and uh, what uh, what the focus of this trip's been all about. Yeah, so I was invited by Le Eco uh, to attend this launch for the the Le Two and the Le Pro Two and the Le. No wait, I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, Le Two Pro and Le Max Two. Now, it's really complicated. The, Three the, the, the brand isn't particularly well known, um, you know, glo- glo- globally yet. Um, can you give us a little bit of a rundown on um, on what they're about? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean. I'm oversimplifying here, but um, Le Holdings is a company that's been around for about a decade, and they are kind of like the Netflix of China. And so they produce content, just like Netflix creates original content, you know, like the series that we all love. Uh, they have their own universe of TV shows that, and movies that they create for the Chinese market, and they've been very successful at that. And they've grown extremely rapidly. They they have they have a, a product called Le Mall, which is like an online shopping. So think Amazon.com competitor. Um, they have um, Le Sports, which is a whole sports network. So they they are very uh, active in terms of sports coverage. Um, and then they make TVs. Le TV, that's the former name of the company now called Le Eco for ecosystem, um, was formerly known as Le TV. And because they started by making TVs basically to, uh, and it's like Amazon. They, the goal here is you produce the TV almost at cost so that you can, uh, you know, sub, it's, you know, subsidized by the content. And so they make really nice televisions that are really affordable. And then they started making phones because obviously, you know, people want to watch the shows when they are on the go in the same way as Amazon made a phone, which was quite terrible, the Fire Phone. Um, yeah, the it didn't, go, TV, didn't work out too well, did it? The Eco, formerly Le TV phones, are all over China and they're really lovely and they're really nice. Um, they're... You know, I believe their manufacturing partner is Foxconn. So they're a little bit copycat. They look a lot like Huawei or the other way around. Huawei looks a lot like LeTV. So they're a little generic looking, but they're beautifully made, high quality materials, really high specs and incredibly affordable. Um, and so, you know, they seem to have come out of nowhere for us that are non-Chinese people, but they've been around for a while and, you know, they kind of made a bit of a fuss at CES by having a bit of a presence there uh, and being the first to launch a Snapdragon 820 product. And uh, then, you know, they've also invested heavily in Faraday Future, which is a an electric car company based in California who was just launched last year and is you know, aiming to compete with Tesla. They don't have a product yet, but they're in the process of building a factory in Nevada and near north of Las Vegas. So, um, and in addition to that, they have a partnership with Aston Martin, the, the British car maker, to make an electric car f- with them. And then they're also making their own cars. They're planning to make their own cars and they showed their vision of what an autonomous EV would be. At the same launch event as they launched the phones, by the way, they also launched some TVs at that event, um, but I'm not really into TVs, so I can't comment. And the car is called Le C, L-E-S-E-E, and it is uh, looks very much like a, a very high-end luxury electric, electric car that, that has autonomous driving capabilities. So think Model S, Tesla Model S competitor, 
Um, and it is at this point still a concept, but I wouldn't be surprised if they can deliver within uh, the next two, three years. Uh, the regulations for autonomous cars in China are very different than the rest of the world. They're pretty much allowed to go ahead with them already. And more importantly, you know, they have quite a few electric vehicles and electric vehicle manufacturers in China already because they have such a pollution problem. It's become really critical for them to go electric. So I think they're very well equipped um, to succeed on that front, at least in China. But there's rumors that they want to come to the U.S., for the car and for the phones and potentially televisions and more importantly the content and the sports stuff this you know this is to be to be confirmed but i think part of the reason they invited a cadre of uh, U.S.-based publications to come to Beijing for this launch event, myself included, was to kind of like you know see our reaction to these new products. And I have to say, I, I I don't know if you saw my YouTube video on the phones. I did a quick little video and also did all the photography for Mobile Geeks uh, for their for their coverage. Yeah. Uh, since I do freelance work for them, uh, and I was pretty impressed. They're, they're very very nice phones for the money, and uh, the car is really cool. I I saw it at the launch, and then I went to the Beijing Auto Show towards the end of my stay to look at it closer up and. It looks a lot more substantial and serious and well-made and, and, and real uh, than when you saw it from a distance in the stadium during the reveal originally, you know, when I actually got to stand next to it at the auto show. Right. Um, so I was actually quite a bit more impressed after I saw it at the auto show. I'd, when I saw it at the reveal, I was, ah, okay, uh, interesting. Let's see how they do with this, right? But... I have a feeling they're much further ahead than we think. Wow! Yeah, it looks pretty cool on the on the videos. I think people will be interested in uh, in seeing that. Let's see uh, video that's that's online. I mean, it doesn't show much, and it's just a, a, a promo thing. Um, but at, at least then you can uh, you can get um, you know what Miriam's talking about here by uh, by having having a look at that video. Yeah, and so as far as the phones, there's three phones: Le Two, Le Two Pro, and Le Max Two. Uh, the first two are five point, oh, I think five point five or five point. Yeah, I can't remember five. But they're smaller, slightly smaller displays, so somewhere between five point three and five point five. Check my video really uh, to get the exact numbers. And there's something uh, and, you, unique about uh, about these phones is something that's missing, right? Right, and so the bigger one's a bigger display, but it's also Quad HD versus 1080p, like the other ones. Yes, yeah, so they all have done. Uh, without the headphone jack. And it's interesting because they're not really that thin. I mean, they're, they're thin. They're standard smartphone thin today. They're not too thin for a headphone jack is what I'm trying to say. So it's an interesting decision. Um, and they come with an adapter in the box, micro, uh, sorry, USB type C, which is what the connector is on the bottom of the phone to 3.5 millimeter. And they're selling a pair of earbuds, uh, noise canceling earbuds that I uh, have a USB Type-C cable, and so they're powered by the phone um, as an accessory, but the uh, adapter is included in the box. And it's interesting because we've heard rumors that Apple's going to go with a headphone jack for the next generation iPhone, and I think it could happen with Apple because Apple you know, got rid of the floppy disk and they got rid of the optical disk and they introduced USB when everybody else was you know, uh, still invested in the legacy ports. And they've kind of dragged us kicking and screaming several times. And the reality is a lot of people listen with Bluetooth. And 
And, uh, you know, an adapter is not impossible uh, through um, either lightning or USB Type-C. So it's not like you couldn't use your favorite old uh, 3.5 millimeter headphones in a pinch if you had the right adapter. It's just that they're counting on people um, probably going wireless or using, uh, you know, uh, USB Type-C based um, headphones. So I think, though, that in China, that's going to fly for the eco to sell these phones and the headphone jack because the adapter is included and the price point is low. And, you know, the Chinese customer is probably not quite as picky as the, uh, at least I talk about the U.S. market. In the U.S., if they want to introduce these phones that are very competitively priced, 200 to $350, and the, the top model, the Max 2, has, you know, Snapdragon A20, 21 megapixel camera with OIS. I mean, it's really lovely in terms of specs. The specifications uh, it, look It comes look, with look 6 great. gigs of RAM and, and a 64 gig built-in storage. It's a monster. And it costs 386 US dollars. Yeah, which, um, I mean, translate that into New Zealand dollars. It's uh, probably about $700 in uh, New Zealand, including uh, including tax, if if you could get it at the same price as the US. So, you know, uh, I imagine I people mean, are going to have to import them. Is that what you're expecting in the US, or are they actually doing a, no, uh, a, a launch in the US I'm as well? I'm pretty convinced they're going to launch in the US. Um, okay. But the, the thing is, what I'm trying to say is that in the US, they're not going to be able to get away without the headphone jack, and I'll tell you why. I mean, they might try, but they will fail if they do. The reason is that if you if you sell to price-sensitive customers – Right. If you try to appeal to them, you uh, they're the kind of customers who will buy a pair of five dollar. I mean, five U.S. dollar earbuds at, you know, at the corner store, at the at the at the drug store. Right. Like they're not they're not necessarily interested in giving. I don't think they'll want to give up the headphone jack just yet because they're very price sensitive. Right. Um, they're not going to want to spend money for a pair of earbuds that's USB Type C. And although there's an adapter bundled in, they're going to lose it. And it's going to be a hassle. So, you know, I don't know if they'll be able to get away with selling this, these, these one of these phones or all these phones in the U.S. successfully um, for that kind of, you know, cu- like customer consumer. Mm. I, yeah, that'll, the that'll be that'll be interesting to see. Now, I mean, looking at the at the base model, and it seems like the um, uh, the Latu and the Latu Pro um, uh, are not too far apart in terms of price and even uh, even specs. They've both got five point five inch ten ten eighty p screens, haven't they? Ten eighty p, and then the the processors are they're using. Uh, um, Chinese processors, I can't remember Media, the... MediaTek, Helio. MediaTek, that's right. Um, they're using... Helio the X20 X, X and X25. 20 and 25, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a bit of a performance difference between the two. One of them is 10 cores, which is interesting. Uh, one of them is 3 gigs of RAM. The other one is 4 gigs of RAM. And the, the, the more expensive one. And then the more expensive one is a 21 megapixel camera with a cheaper one as a 16 megapixel camera. But everything else about them is identical. 32 gigs of storage, uh, 8 megapixel front camera, 1080p 5.5 inch display. And the larger phone, I think, is what, 5.7 inch? That's right, yeah. And it's quad HD and it has Snapdragon 820. And it comes in two versions, a 4 gigabyte, 32, and a 6 gigabyte of RAM 64. And it's the same 21 megapixel camera as in on the Le 2 Pro, but 
they added OIS to it. Um, and these, and these have all got fingerprint uh, sensors? They all, yeah, they all have uh, fingerprint sensors. Um, the batteries on them are interesting because the two smaller ones have a 3,000 milliamp hour battery. But you'd think the larger one would bump things up to 4,000 or something since it's larger and it has a quad HD display to to drive. It's only 3,100 milliamp hour, so only 100 milliamps more. Okay, that's um, they don't have NFC either, which is another thing they will need in the U.S. and abroad for Android Pay to because it's very popular here. Yeah, that's unusual um, to leave uh, the the not in China. Nobody out. uses NFC there. All their payment methods are using barcodes, so mm-hmm. uh, it's not really a problem for most most Chinese customers. And I think you know, I'm sure you lose the advantage of pairing Bluetooth via NFC, but that's a minor thing, right? Um, so I mean. You know, they, they looked really well made. They, they were, you know, the quality, the materials were high quality. They, they were fast when I used them. They have their own skin, of course. You know, in China, uh, everybody pretty much has their own heavy skin. And on top of that, uh, no Google Play services, no ability to install apps from the Play Store. No Gmail, no none of the things we're used to. So that's um, that's really probably the biggest and that would, difference that would for have, people. No, they isn't it? they can't do without launching. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't launch a phone like that in the U.S. without those, right? They know that. It's like you know when uh, Huawei launched the Honor six, uh, the five X here, right? The Honor five X is the first officially sold Huawei phone in the U.S. sold unlocked, uh, and it's 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 got everything, right? It's got it's got f- full support for Google. Um, but it does not have NFC. But it's a two hundred dollar phone, so you can kind of look the other way, right? Mm. Um, and so it'll be interesting. I think if they come to the U.S., they're going to compete with Huawei with the Honor brand because Honor in in the U.S. Huawei is not selling as their own brand; they're selling as the Honor. That's the brand they're selling under. And right now, the only product really that they have is the watch and the uh, the five X. This Honor 5X phone that was announced at CES. Yeah. And it's very price competitive with the Moto G and the OnePlus X, which is also sold in the US, the OnePlus X unlocked. Mm. So those are like, you know, so if, if Le Eco comes into the US with one of those phones, it's going to have to be in the $200 range to compete with those guys. Yeah. But it's possible they go all out and sell all three. You never know. Yeah, I mean, it'll be curious. I imagine some people will be uh, will be importing them, but that uh, the lack of uh, Play Store will uh, certainly uh, put put people off. Now, I'm curious about the uh, the branding. If you know, we compare compare uh, La Eco with uh, Huawei, um, and you've mentioned how Huawei have gone down the, the track of using the Honor brand in uh, in the US. Um, there's there's something to be said, I think, for this uh, La, La Eco brand, uh, even though it's not you know it's not not strictly uh, English, um, you know, it's very uh, obviously uh, French there with the uh, beginning with La. Um, but um, I I wonder how that's actually going to help them compared to Huawei with a with a brand that uh, doesn't sound very. Um, uh, very Western, shall we say? And um, yeah, yeah, I think there's, some, so there's something to be said for uh, uh, for a brand that works well in in all markets. 
Yeah, you know, I think uh, I pers- they just rebranded the, the entire company from Le TV as the main brand to Le Eco because they want to put emphasis on the ecosystem. And and I had actually completely missed the boat. When I heard Le Eco the first time, I thought they meant Le Eco as in eco- ecological, as in green. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and so that just shows you how the, the brand is quite poor, actually, in terms of um, match and fit for the US and potentially the, the, you know, Europe and other Western markets. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of consulting around product strategy and marketing strategy and brand. And I think it's actually a very, very, very bad name. Um, and, and I think they should launch as Le TV or Le Mobile, which is their, the, actually the official brand for their phones out in, in China. Um, they should launch, you know, with one of their sub brands and then, slowly introduce people to the concept that they're they're really selling an ecosystem not a product and that's their the modus operandi right that's why they're they want to use le eco because they they want people to understand that if they come to the u.s they're going to come to the u.s with the content right remember the the phones are subsidized by the content so it, it's going to be a big play it's going to be a play to compete with netflix and amazon yeah, right? not just phones. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And uh, I mean, the the, um, the founder made the comment that in the future he sees the vehicles being free, uh, paid for um, by the by consumption content. of of content, which is uh, is quite fascinating. Um, so I'm trying to wrap my head around that. I mean, I could sort of see that working, maybe in a um, you know, in a in a um, a shared sort of model where you yeah, don't actually completely demand, yeah, own yeah, the vehicle, um, but to uh, to completely pay for a vehicle, I don't think most of us spend that much on uh, on content that that could quite add up. No, I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see what happens, yeah. but um, they're certainly going to have a branding problem, and I hope that they can find a solution to that. And at the same time, I also feel that um, they need to make a few tweaks to the devices themselves, uh, specifically around. Uh, you know, this, this NFC, lack of NFC, Google Play services, of course, that's a given. Uh, that's just software. It's easy to fix and maybe bring back the headphone jack, at least for the first iteration. I, I think Apple can get away with it because they are, you know, people are willing to pay for the accessories, right? So people are willing to cough the money for a lightning to 3.5 millimeter adapter that wouldn't be included that Apple would sell for $19 US. Um, because that's what they do. They, they're used to it. Uh, they don't, and also they already pay $700 for a phone most of the time. So they, they don't, you know, they're not price conscious, the Apple customer. They're, they have the money. They don't care. They just want the best product. And to them, that's Apple. So I think it's very different when you try to cram this kind of concept of, of getting rid of a legacy port like 3.5 millimeter, uh, to the price conscious customers. And and I think it's going to take a while. I mean, it's inevitable that five years from now, we'll all be laughing, looking back at the fact that phones had headphone jacks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's inevitable that we're going to go with a single port on your device to charge it um, and to do everything, audio and data. And eventually that port itself will go away, you know, and everything will be wireless. Everything's moving to wireless anyway, isn't it? So, so, yeah. so I think it's not it's not crazy for them to do it. I just think it's, not a good fit for them entering this market. And I'm specifically talking about the US one. Mm. Um, now, your personal experience with the with these handsets, did you get to spend much 
much time with them. You say the build and so you know, on look, if, looks pretty good, but um, a few minutes each, you know, enough to kind of like get a feel for the camera and the and the you know the, U, the UI and and to see if there's any like lag and stutter and and of course feel the materials and you know play with it. I didn't really listen to music on them. I didn't uh, make calls. Uh, I mean, I don't have any experience on that or battery life, obviously. Uh, the displays look decent. Uh, I mean, for the money, I had really no complaints. And uh, they, again, they, it reminded me so much of Huawei's products, but at a much more affordable price point. Mm. So if you're familiar with the Mate 8 and the, you know, uh, the P9 and P8 and, you know, Mate 7, these, these kind of products. Um, and even as I said, that Honor 5X that is the, the first official Huawei phone sold on lock in the US. Uh, it's exactly like that. It's, they're very similar to that. Oh, that's curious. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see um, to see where they go with uh, with launching these on an international basis. Uh, but that's great. That's a great roundup. Well, thank you very much for your time, Miriam. Now, where do people uh, track you down online? You're uh, you're pretty regular on uh, on Twitter and uh, and the like, and you've got uh, your YouTube channel there. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, and thanks for having me, obviously. But I think uh, if you want to find me, look for my handle online, which is Tank Girl without the vowels, like the comic book characters. So drop the A uh, and the I, so you're left with T-N-K-G-R-L. Um, that's my Twitter handle. That's also my blog, tankgirl.com, T-N-K-G-R-L.com. Um, it, my blog needs a bit of updating. I haven't posted in a while. Um, but uh, you can subscribe to my podcast there, which... Uh, comes in two versions. There's a bunch of YouTube videos because I do a Hangouts on Air uh, live video recording on my podcast. And then I do a cut down and audio mix that you can subscribe to my RSS feed. Um, I'm on Pocket Cast. I'm on iTunes. Uh, and then, um, you know, uh, my YouTube channel, unfortunately, I couldn't get the handle Tank Girl. But if you go to my blog and you click on any of the videos that uh, where you clearly see me chatting and talking, uh, and subscribe to that channel. It's going to be me. Uh, it'll be under my name, Miriam Joar. Uh, and yeah, you know, subscribe. I'm, uh, I'm not a full-time journalist anymore. I used to work at Engadget full-time. I used to run all of the mobile phone beat over there with a bunch of editors that helped me out. And it was a lot of fun. But um, I run a consulting business primarily now. So I do journalism like about a quarter of my time. Uh, you'll find me on mobilegeeks.com on Pocket Now sometimes, on Uber Gizmo sometimes, and I've done some work for Android Central as well. Uh, usually I do trade shows, so I do things like uh, Mobile Congress and CES and things like that. So this this event, uh, this Leeco Le event was kind of like this, oh, if somebody wants to you know fly you somewhere for free, well, why not do it, right? That's good. Um, and then uh, for me, for my consulting business, it was actually pretty awesome because I got a chance to meet with some of my clients uh, and uh, and stuff like that. So it's kind of double whammo. But yeah, hopefully you follow me. And uh, if you don't know me already, because I think a lot of people remember me from the Engadget days, the podcast I used to do there. Uh, if you don't, um, follow me. That's great. Thanks. That's great. Well, thank you very much for uh, for taking the time out to uh, to chat with us. And uh, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch and chat again soon. You're welcome. I'm uh, still a little jet lag because I just arrived this morning. It's uh, mid afternoon here in California. So yeah, you must have been flying through the night. Yeah, but you know, it's just a really feels like a long day more than anything because we left at noon there and I arrived at nine a.m. roughly here. Okay. So it, it does. It didn't. You know, nine a.m. basically was midnight when I 
uh, midnight in China when I landed here. And I'm a bit of a night owl. I'm not, it's not unusual for me to go to bed at two or three or four in the morning. So now I'm starting to feel it. But this morning I was okay, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, you've been, you've been good. That's, uh, that's great. You didn't fall asleep on us. So that was good. Well, that's the all, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. Thanks, Miriam. We'll chat soon. Bye. Thanks for having me, Paul. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.